Hey, welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started? And what are they doing to stay there? And oh my goodness, can you believe it? Here we go. Season five, here we were in January of 2024, and we are going to kick it off with a special guest today. I'm getting to talk to Ashley Aldrich. Ashley is a talent mobility leader. She is also the current chair for Worldwide ERC. Today, we know that as work. And Ashley, I'm so excited to have you on the show and to kick off season five. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I am super pumped to be here and to chat with all your listeners. This is my first podcast interview, so everybody needs to bear with me, <laughs> but I'm Breaking excited news. to try something new. It's really cool. I love it. I, you know, people always talk about one of the things that uh, high performers do is they get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad. Thank you for sharing that. I did <laughs> not realize that. This is fantastic. We're going to have a great conversation today. Hey, real quick, I note a couple of things. Number one, I want to talk about the recent conference we were attended, the North Texas Relocation Professionals. You were a keynote speaker this year in September in Frisco, Texas. What did you think about that conference? Wow, it was an incredible time and such amazing people. I really loved getting to meet everyone and hear their stories and to share a little bit about myself and my journey and also to hear some really incredible insights, which I actually took away with me and used in some of my conversations later at the work conference in October. But it was wonderful. And at the conference in October, I bumped into a lot of folks that heard me speak and said, came up and said hello to me. Isn't Boston. that awesome? I love it that. Was wonderful. I love it whenever you are speaking and you feel like, hey, I'm going to share some perspective or some wisdom and, and you're in that giving mode. But yet as a speaker, we often get back even more uh, than we're even given. And then I also noticed and uh, just doing a little research here before we jumped on, you were listed as a global mobility top 100 community champion. I and uh, how did how did that feel? I think it was really um, it warmed my heart because it's something I care a lot about um, and spend have spent a lot of time in my career investing in the people around me. So to be able to be recognized for that investment in community was really incredible. Yeah, Benevo does a great job of uh, recognizing. Uh, and spotlighting the mobility uh, community. I know in tw uh, 2021, I was selected as one of the top 100 global, uh, global mobility service providers. I think oh. most admired service providers. And yeah, I was the same way. It was great. I saw a lot of familiar faces on there. I know there's a couple of former guests that were on that list as well. Karen Hale with Unity and of course, Jack Jampel with Stryker. Mm -hmm. We're both on there. And so that's fantastic. I love that. We are going to have a great time today. We're actually going to talk about some of the things you talked about at the conference in September. We're also going to talk a little bit about what's coming up with Worldwide ERC. But before we do that, I would love for you just to share your story. The Ashley Aldrich story. So I grew up in the Midwest. I actually grew up in Kansas hmm. with four rambunctious brothers. And I actually learned a lot of leadership lessons growing up with our little pack. Um, my parents really wanted us to focus on reading and exploring outdoors and artistic endeavors. So we actually grew up without any TV channels. Hmm. And instead, which is kind of ironic because I work at Netflix <laughs> or worked at Netflix. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, interesting. Um, so instead of that, we really spent a lot of time with those activities, playing outdoors, um, and spending so much time with my brothers really taught me a lot about communication, the ability to influence, what motivates people, mm. and really understanding how unique each individual's needs and styles really are. One of my proudest achievements was something that I actually achieved in my little town. I grew up in a very small town, um, and I was asked to design and run a literary program at a nonprofit that I had volunteered at growing up. And this had 
this amazing program had a, an impact on every single participant in its first year, and it's still running two decades later successfully. And this experience taught me a lot. This laid a really good foundation for me. It gave me the courage to stretch and try new things. I was 18 years old. Mm. I didn't know anything. And I really had to learn from the ground up. And one of the things I really learned, an important lesson, was that you need to have a lot of deep curiosity if you don't know anything. And going into any new endeavor, you need to bring that curiosity with you and find all of the resources, research, people, um, whatever, whatever is around you that can help you learn what you don't know. You have the the benefit and joy of being a newbie. The second lesson I really learned was the goal, having a really clear goal and a mm. clear vision. And I knew that my goal was to instill in these kids the confidence to read and to lay a foundation for them to have future success because everything they were going to do in the future when they wanted to find a job or go to college Laying that good foundation for reading would give them that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And these were kids that didn't have a lot of opportunities. So I wanted to make sure that they had that. And I wanted to make sure they understood the why. It wasn't just me saying, oh, I have this goal. I have this vision. It was me saying, hey, I want you to be successful. I want you to be incredible. And this is why we're doing it. And the third key lesson I had was giving tangible, short-term, positive progress goals. So we mm -hmm. gave them a sticker every mm -hmm. time they had a success on a chart that was visible that built towards a long-term goal. So if they attained enough stickers, they would get to attend a pizza and skating party at the end. So it was a short-term, visible, tangible outcome working towards that larger big, exciting, joyous celebration at the end. And you were 18 years old. Yeah. At this time. I was a baby. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I, and I'm curious who, who influenced you to be part of that program? I think my mom got me involved in yeah. the nonprofit from the okay. beginning yeah. and, and had gotten to know the person who opened it, who really had a heart for kids that had nowhere to go after school and um, had some really tough backgrounds. And I just fell in love with these kids. They were incredible and just, um, it was really wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to work with them. I worked with them all through junior high and high school. What a great foundation. And so from there, you went off to college. Where'd you go to college? I did. I went to a really small liberal arts college in Pennsylvania called Messiah College, hmm. and I studied industrial organizational psychology. <laughs> okay. So you go from Kansas to Pennsylvania. I did. What yeah. was the connection there? I wanted to leave the state. I was ready hmm. for bigger, better things. And that was a school my parents would agree to let me go to. So oh, awesome. we I had a compromise. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So a uh, little uh, town in Kansas. What part of Kansas was that? It's Southeast Kansas. It's a tiny town called Chanute, Kansas. Hmm. It's named well, after a Frenchman named Octave Chanute. We brought okay. the railroads together. Okay. I know I have some, a lot of listeners, uh, and there's probably some from Kansas, probably raising their hand right now and say, I know exactly <laughs> where that's at. That's yep. fantastic. So, yeah. okay. So in college, you studied industrial organizational psychology. So it's okay. really taking those psycho psychological principles on how do people think and how do they work mm. um, and bringing that to the workplace, bringing that psychology to the workplace. That's fantastic. And little did you know how much you would need that in today's world, in the world of HR and mobility, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I always think having those underpinnings of knowledge has been tremendously beneficial. And I think college in general, I know there's a lot of discussion around, should we still have college? Should people go? Should they just go mm -hmm. work? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that process of critical thinking and Meeting with people that are different, think differently, and being forced to have these conversations around, okay, you argue this side and I argue this side. Now we flip. And that intellectual challenge that you get in a liberal arts college, I found it to be incredibly helpful 
especially having lived all over the world and worked with people from all over the world. So, uh, uh, so what about after college? You uh, did you get a job right away? Did you do internships? How did you kind of enter into the workforce? My initial plan was that I would go to North Carolina, where they had an IO Psych PhD program, and I would get residency because I was pretty burnt out after four years of school. Hmm. I needed a break, and I knew in-state tuition would be beneficial. So I was like, "Hey, I'll work for a year, go to college again, and go go deep." Um, and then life handed me a big left turn in that I met my husband and we got married and he lost his job right hmm. after we got married. Hmm. And we had always said, if we could go and live in New York, it's a dream. We'd want to do it while we were young. Hmm. So if we have a chance, we should do it. So I had a really good steady job. I had, um, I worked for train which has the HVAC systems. If you mm. live in Texas, you probably know about them. Yep. <laughs> it was a good job. I had a really good job, but I did not love it. I was mm. just not super excited. It was a good paycheck. It was safe. It was steady, but it wasn't exciting. Mm. So I told my husband he had a weekend to go to New York. And if he got a job, we would just risk everything, jump in the deep end and do it. I would quit my job and we would just go. And two days in, he gets a job offer. And I said, okay, I guess we got to do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so my goodness. Did. I love that. Yeah. I love it that. It was wild. And I was so naive. I knew absolutely nothing. We moved on a wing and a prayer. We had no money. Mm. And I made a ton of mistakes. It was amazing. I was so, so young and didn't know what I was doing. And it was wonderful. But I was smart enough to get engaged with some companies that did temp work. Mm. And I was really willing to work really hard and I would pretty much go to work doing anything. I would have done data entry. I would have done reporting, whatever, whatever they had for me. That's what I was going to do. And I was going to do a darn good job. <laughs> and they did. They found me some jobs to work at and it's gave me some opportunities. It's how I stumbled my way into Bloomberg. And I actually had worked at another company called a, a bank. They're trying to fill a position for somebody who'd been there a long time. And I'm pretty sure they didn't know what this lady did because they just told me, bring in a book and read a book and we'll we'll just, you know, whatever. We'll just keep going because I think they wanted to keep their head count. And I was like, no, I know I have to have things to do. So I would run around and be like, can I do your reporting? Can I is there anything I can do? What else can mm -hmm. I do? What else can I do? I was kind of that annoying young <laughs> Buzzy, buzzy, like, uh, I want to do good work. I'm not just going to sit around. Mm. And they really struggled to find enough to keep me busy. So I had an interview opportunity with Bloomberg, and it was a contract position. It was coming in to do reporting for the senior level R&D team. And I was like, cool job, cool company. They invest in the arts. I love this. And I go back to this bank. And I said, Hey, I'm so sorry. Here's my notice. I'm going to go on and do something else. Cause I feel like you don't need me. And they said, well, what if we offer you a full-time job mm -hmm. with benefits? My other job was a contracting job with no benefits. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it and I could have chosen the safe position to have a full-time job and all the benefits. But to me, the opportunity was not going to be there because they didn't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me but I wasn't going to be, I didn't feel like I would be super successful there. So mm. I took the riskier option for with the riskier setup because I felt like I would really learn and grow and I would have the opportunity to try new things. And it was a risk, but it totally paid off. <laughs> I love that. That is fantastic. I mean, you know, it's it's funny how, you know, you're, you're here, you are in your career and you look back and you think about things like failure and risk and all of these things that are just daunting at the time, but yet, you know, it's something that you have to do to feel like get that sense of fulfillment to grow 
and yeah. to become more in the workplace, right? I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because mm. I think when you're young, there's that, for me particularly, I did have a fear of failure around certain things, not about trying risky jobs and that kind of thing. Mm. But if I went into something and I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to be good at that. I might look a little silly. It might not position me well. Mm. I wouldn't take the risk and jump in there and do something because I felt like I might not succeed at it. And I think I worked through a lot of that piece of it. But as a seasoned leader, I've been thinking about how it's different, mm. how it's not just you and like, oh, I might look silly. I think the stakes get higher mm. and it's harder as a leader to step out into something new and take a risk because it's not just you, it's your team mm. and people relying on you. So I think the stakes are higher. Mm. And I think there's a little bit more pressure to take those big leaps and take those running jumps when you're in a different position. And I think it's a bit of a shame because I see sometimes a little bit of stagnation with mm. really great people mm. because those fears tie them up in knots and hold them back. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So you, so you were at Bloomberg and then from Bloomberg, uh, was your next move going to Netflix? Well, my next move, my first job was in New York, and then I mm -hmm. moved to London with Bloomberg. And I okay. built the Europe, Middle East, and Africa, Africa program, which was an incredible uh, experience, learning experience. I found out really quickly that I was naive in New York. And then I thought I was like, oh gosh, I'm <laughs> like figured it all out. And then I moved to London and it started me back on ground zero. And I knew nothing <laughs> again. So it was really starting from scratch mm. um, and was very humbling. I made a lot of mistakes. And you'll hear mm. me say this a lot because I'm proud of making mistakes mm. because don't make those mistakes and learn from them. Mm. You're not trying really hard and growing. Like if you don't see in your history, wow, I made these silly mistakes or I didn't know this. You're not really trying and putting yourself out mm. there. Such so a great I'm point. quite proud of yeah. that history. Um, but I learned a lot. It was really incredible. Um, and from there, I had Uber reach out to me about a mm. job in San Francisco. And at the time they were pre-IPO, which for me was really compelling. And I had had some conversations with my current leader at Bloomberg around opportunities to grow. And she tried really hard to give me more and more opportunities. So I did really cool things. I got to be the first group of companies that worked with the UN. I got to work on writing the global compact for migration. Mm. And I did really incredible things. But from my career perspective, I felt like it would be safe to stay at Bloomberg because the job was great and I loved it. And I designed an amazing program that I cared a lot about, but I could never go further up because my boss said, I will retire from this place. There's not, you can't take my job because I'm not leaving unless you want to wait that long. And I did not. So I felt like either I get comfortable and stay mm -hmm. where I'm at and be mm -hmm. okay with this level. Or if I really want to push harder, I have to jump for this riskier mm -hmm. company and riskier position in San Francisco, which I'd never planned to live in. And I thought, you know, I think it's worth the risk because I really want to take that leap to the next step and grow. Mm. So I did. They reached out to me and I took a, a much riskier job, much, much riskier opportunity. And I'd been at Bloomberg for, I don't know, almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. and wow. It's hard leaving a company after 10 years. You get real comfortable and fast and smart mm. at their thing <laughs> and their systems and their technology. And suddenly I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, Google what? <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> it was wild. And it was such a great learning experience and just completely blew my mind. Um, but it was, again, it was a big risk to mm. jump into that opportunity, but I knew that it would stretch me. I knew mm. I would get experiences that were mm. tough to get that pre-IPO experience. Mm. It was really cool to have. Mm. And a company that was going through, quite frankly, some very challenging experiences, mm. learning how do you handle comms there? How do you handle PR there? How do mm. you 
how do you manage that? And I, I actually took the global compact for migration that I'd already worked on and got to testify while I was at Uber at the UN, mm. which was a really terrifying and incredible experience. <laughs> it was wonderful. And they passed it, actually. Mm. So I'm I'm very proud of the work mm. that we did in that space. Yeah, I love that. I love how you talk about uh, some of the things you're most proud of or the things that either A, maybe you failed at or B, just things that were just daunting and mm. just nerve wracking and exciting and all of these all wrapped into one. Mm. Um, and, th and that's what it's really all about. It's about creating those uh, opportunities to, or, or, or taking advantage of those opportunities to have those experiences. And, and you have done that. Mm. Um, and then, okay. So you, okay. So you're at this incredible company, Uber, and then what's after that? Well, the thing that I learned about myself is that I really love to build a program. That is okay. where I get excited. I love to build programs. I'm my personality type is actually called mm. the architect. Mm. And I love it. I love seeing new challenges, building mm. things, building teams, seeing really great talent, developing that talent. And I find that generally at a job in particular, if it doesn't change over time, I need to move because mm. I'm always looking to do that building part. Mm. And Netflix called me up. First, they're a great company, an incredible mm. company with an incredible culture. I read their culture memo and my mind just blew. Mm. <laughs> it was such a manifesto of everything that you could, a, a utopian manifesto mm. of how to think and how to be. And I was like, wow, how do you make that work in business? How do you have a culture that the travel policy is acting the best interest of Netflix? And that's it. Mm. How does that work? <laughs> Especially in a compliance and risk driven area. It was fascinating. So I knew that I would get to work in a very cool culture. I knew that I would get to have really incredible challenges in making that culture work in the area of the business that we have. And it was an awesome opportunity to come in and do really, really awesome work at an awesome company with incredible people. And for me, that's the trifecta of the win at an organization. I remember when I was uh, doing some research and and asked you to come speak at the uh, North Texas Relocation Professionals Conference, and I saw some of the things that you talked about and, and one of the things that this culture memo like that is like mind blowing. Mm. And I started reading about some of the different things that you're talking about. I'm like, wow, that's just, it's just so different. It just feels like, Hey, uh, empowering employees, giving them a full accountability responsibility yeah. to go build it. And which, you know, you're talking about building that's just right up your alley. Okay, so be, when I first came on, I said, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Netflix." And you said, "Hey, I want to talk about something I got ahead of Netflix. Would you want to share that?" Oh, I absolutely do. Oh my so, goodness! In the spirit of taking on new challenges, I am actually going to be breaking news. I'm going to be launching my own consulting business, which I am extremely excited about because I want to take all of the incredible lessons that I've learned at these incredible companies and bring that and build and solve complex problems and work with amazing people and be able to do that on a bigger and broader scale. So I'm leaping out there, taking a big risk and going to be launching a company that I think I'm going to be quite proud of. Oh, how exciting. Breaking news. You heard it first right here on Life in the Leadership Lane. I love that. I want to, I definitely want to get into that. And here we are talking about risk once again. Hey, you know what? I feel called to do uh, something more. And I always talk about if you want more, you, you need to become more. And to become more, you have to be willing to do some of these different things. I do want to ask you though, I talk about mentors a lot on the podcast with different high performers, because I feel like we all have someone that has helped shaped us. You earlier talked a little bit about your, your mom and, and, you know, maybe been an influence on you 
you know, getting started with the program in high school. And then I heard you talk about brothers, which I love it when you talk about family being influential. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from my brothers and, and sisters. Talk about maybe a, a couple of mentors that have helped you get to where you are. And what was it about them that made them such a great mentor? I love this question because I feel that I have been incredibly blessed with people that have taken the time to invest in me and to model for me really incredible behaviors and and also to give me really good feedback, both mm. positive around where my strengths are and what I'm doing well and some really tough critical feedback, um, which has served me uh, because I think as humans, we all have these big blind spots that we don't see Mm. until somebody puts a mirror up in front of us. And that can be really tough and uncomfortable, but (laughs) it's so necessary and helpful to have people around you who will tell you the good and the bad, who will really support you and will champion you and also say, Hey, you're, you, you have a, you have a spot here. You really need to work, work on and to give you the time and space and feedback and ongoing support to help you work through those challenging things. I had an incredible leader. I always love to shout out. I've had a few, so I will shout out to my, my first leader was Elisa Sender and she was the one who really got me started in this space. And she has a huge legacy of people that she has brought into the space of immigration and mobility and has a a legacy of people that can really look back and say, hey, she championed me, she supported me. And she's just an incredible person. She's at Bloomberg. Okay. And I, I think she is such a model of how to really support people and find Mm. them. She's so Mm. incredible. And my other one is my um, manager, Robert Rozoski. He was my director at um, Netflix, and he was absolutely incredible as a leader. He had worked so much on building his emotional intelligence and really understanding how to build relationships and Mm. partnerships and how to manage teams really beautifully. And I felt like I learned so much from watching him. And he gave me really tough feedback on some things that mm. I needed to work on and and supported me through growing in those changes. Mm. And I, I look to that as something that really has been an, um, an incredible support. And you know, I'm so grateful because these people also support me still. Mm, I love that. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with um, tough feedback. <laughs> Don't we I all? love it and I hate it. I know. Uh, I have grown so much. I appreciate you sharing that because I know there's people listening right now. They're taking lots of notes just like I am. Uh, about some of the, the some of the things that have helped shape you. Let me let me ask you this though. Okay, so you you had all of these incredible experiences over the course of your career, and, and now here you are. You're getting ready to start an incredible uh, consulting business. Okay, was there a moment like when you found your lane? I always talk about finding your lane, right? I wrote the book Find Your Lane, but it's all about finding purpose, finding a calling. In in helping others, was there a moment, or have there been moments when you said, "Hey, I love what I do. I love the talent mobility piece." You know, I think there have been a lot of moments along the way where I've lit up and thought, "Wow, this 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 I mm. love. This mm. is something I get excited about." Um, I think that sometimes you have to sit down and reflect and look back to see what those things are. Um, For me, definitely through a lot of different experiences, I recognize that building is something that I love. I Mm. love taking those messy, complex problems and going in and doing great solutions, innovative solutions, imagining the possibility of what can be is my favorite imagining Mm. something that hasn't even been dreamt up before doing things differently, breaking the rules, the quote unquote Mm. rules. I love that. Um, I think I've learned that I've always been an entrepreneur in my 
life. And I love companies that inspire you and ask you to take ownership because my heart is always an entrepreneurial heart. I started a babysitting business when I was in high school that I ran. I've always just had this hunger to have that personal ownership and responsibility Mm. and autonomy. So I know that's something that's really key to me. And then over time, you discover things like in London, I was building a team out and I learned that I have a superpower at spotting exceptional talent in places you wouldn't expect and that I could see beyond what was maybe on paper to what was deeper. Mm. In fact, the person, one of the people that I hired that is still extraordinary in this business didn't have any background at all in immigration or mobility. And I went to the mattresses for her and said, I will not hire anyone but her. Mm. It's her or nobody. And I needed somebody desperately. I was working around the clock. I was ready for somebody. But I knew that she had aptitude and attitude in the Mm. right place. And you can teach technical knowledge to anybody that has aptitude and attitude and their hearts in the right place. And I've always used that as my measuring stick. Yeah, maybe somebody doesn't totally have all of the experiences that you'd like them to have that would make your life easier. But I always come back to that. Are they willing? Are they really Mm. ready and hungry? Do they really want this job? Mm. And I think you can do a lot with somebody that has those capabilities. And then I think part of that is also seeing that in the people you hire and taking those and letting those pieces shine. I recently read this really incredible book called Unreasonable Hospitality. And if you Mm. haven't read it, it is so good. I've actually started through it again because it's so good and there's so many good bits. Um, But this Will, who ran 11 Madison Park, one of the best restaurants in New York, talks about his dad. His name's Will. And his dad had a platoon in Vietnam, and he had a guy on his team that was kind of a dud and just really struggled with this guy. And everybody was down on him and upset about it. But you don't get to pick your team. Your team is Mm. your team. You got to make it work. So his dad took the time to really get to know this guy. And what he learned from him, they called him Kentucky. What they learned from him is that He had spent his childhood running around the the wilds of Kentucky and the backwaters of Kentucky, and he could navigate anywhere under any conditions, no matter what. And a bunch of the other guys on the team were city slickers. They had no idea which end was up in in the wilds of Vietnam. And so because he took that time, he took him from the position he was in to leading them. Mm. And because of that change, really seeing where his skill sets lay, he went from being the worst on the team to a leader on the team. Mm. And that, to me, really stood out because I think it's that ability to see that talent, to pay attention and to take it, groom it and bring out the best in someone and shine that spotlight on the amazing teams that you have. Mm. Oh, my gosh, Ashley, I have chills right now as you share that story. Okay. So unreasonable hospitality. I love that. I will be, I will be ordering that. I am an avid book reader, but also I wrote down a couple of things. Number one, and if you're listening right now, I hope you have your pen out, you have your journal out, you're taking notes. Imagine the possibility of what can be. Mm. I just absolutely love that. And that's looking beyond uh, the resume beyond the paper and just what is the possibility there? And then the aptitude and attitude. I, I just, I I love all of that and how you shared that. And I know the listeners appreciate you sharing that too. I want to jump in here to uh, your consulting business for a second. Uh, you, you've made this leap. Here you are. First of all, I'm, I'm wondering, do you have a name for it yet? I do. I'm naming it Vita Smith Consulting. Because it is from my matriarchal line. My great-great-grandmother's name was Vita. And on the other side, there's a Smith. So it's Vita Smith Consulting. 
Vita Smith Consulting. I love that. And will it, so your experience and your background is in uh, mobility and immigration. Is that consulting going to stay in that lane or you, do you have multiple lanes here? I'm curious. What do you, what do you love? Yeah. I mean, I think where I've had a lot of valuable experiences at companies that have allowed me to work outside of the barriers of the mobility immigration space. So mm. I've worked with recruiting. I've worked with HRBPs. I've worked with um, you know, leaders across the board in the HR space, worked on operational programs. I've worked on benefits programs. I've designed wellness programs. You know, I've had the opportunity to do so many things. And what I love about the mobility and immigration space is that so many things have transferable skills. Mm. So, you know, yes, I happen to be an expert in immigration and mobility, but what does that actually mean? That means I know how to build a strategy. That means I know how to um solve really complex messy problems that means i need to i need to know how to have really difficult conversations and explain things clearly that means i know education that means i know how to build comms that means i know all of these other things which sure i do them for mobility and immigration but who doesn't need those things mm. in their business right mm. yeah. brilliant operations <laughs> all of these things are completely transferable Oh, that's fantastic. I know there's probably some people that are going to be reaching out because when you use the word messy and complex, it mm -hmm. resonates with many of us in the business uh, community because a lot of things, what we do, uh, yeah, they get messy, they get complex mm -hmm. and we are here to, uh, we're here to solve problems and serve people uh, yeah. any the way that we can. I, I love that. And I'm excited for your journey ahead. I, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about Worldwide ERC recently changed its name at the, I was at the the conference in, in Boston and we didn't get yeah. to see each other. And I'm like bummed about that, but <laughs> next time for sure. Um, yes. But I, they revealed the, the new name work W E R C, which I really mm -hmm. like a lot. Talk a little bit about uh, your, I don't know, maybe your journey uh, as the chair elect and now you're serving as chair. What, what has that been like and, and what's ahead for uh, work. Awesome. I am so excited to talk about this because WERC has been in such an incredible organization and it's been for me personally such an amazing learning opportunity to come on a board. I felt incredibly honored to be asked mm. to be the chair elect and then to chair the board. It felt big and scary and like oh, am I going to be able to do this kind of thing? And I, I like to say that because I think sometimes people are like, well, you can do that fearlessly and it's no mm -hmm. big deal. You've already done all these other things. Why would it scare you? Sure, it scares you. Everyone has these feelings and that's okay to have those feelings and to have that imposter syndrome. And, you know, I still struggle with that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think, gosh, these people before me, they were so incredible and Will I be able to do it? And the thing that I keep thinking about is, you know, I can do it, but I'm going to do it differently because I'm a different person. And they chose mm. me because I'm different and I have different perspectives. And yes, there are things where I don't have strengths. And what's amazing is I have so many people on the board that are incredible that mm. can fill in for areas where I'm not as strong. Mm. So I get to be great at what I do and to lean on great people around me to also support me and be great, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. We've <laughs> noticed a lot of changes. I mean, you know, I've been involved in uh, the organization since, I don't know, maybe around 2000. Uh, you know, maybe 2009, 2008, 2009 is when I really got involved in our uh, regional chapter, you yeah. know, Texas Relocation Professionals. And and I think I got my CRP back in 2005. So been part of the organization for a long time and seen a lot of change. And I, you know, what, what's, uh, what, what are you, what do you, what's ahead for people that are listening that maybe they're, I don't know, they touch mobility in some way. I feel like we all touch mobility in some way, we may not be directly managing the process, but we touch that, whether we're in talent acquisition or HR. 
or compensation or whatever role we're playing, we're touching it some way. Uh, talk a little bit about like what what uh, what's ahead that uh, you're excited about that people should know about. Yeah, so much is going on. Well, first, I'd like to say that, you know, 2023 was an incredible year of change. Mm. Lots of things were going on and we have had some incredible people that leaned in and took on more Anapom. I have to shout out his praises. He really did an incredible job stepping into the gap and really allowing us to be exceptional in a very tough year. So I do have to shout that out because it was really incredible. Anapom um, paved the way. He did. I love he, that. he set the bar really high. So <laughs> thank you very much, Anapom. Mm. Um, but I, I will say, you know, there's going to be a lot of exciting events in 2024. Mm -hmm. We've already scheduled our Singapore event, which will be May 14th and 15th. Um, and that will be for our regional summit in partnership with the GBTA, uh, which is who we partnered with last year. Mm -hmm. So a very cool partnership and getting those synergies. So those who don't know GBTA? Global Business Travel Association. So it's go. another similar organization. Yeah. Um, we're also excited to hold an event in India on May mm. 7th. Mm. So that's really incredible. Um, there's a, a huge community in India that is really looking for that, um, the benefits that come with the work community. So we're mm. really excited to deliver on that. And we're also planning an event in Laam as well. So that one's not scheduled yet, but coming soon. Mm. I will also say it's a big year. It's the 60th anniversary year. So oh. super exciting. And after the success in Boston, we're going to be based in National Harbor, just outside of Washington, D.C. for the uh, anniversary event. It's going to be really incredible. Not to be missed. It's going to be a very special year. Mm. Um, so super excited for that. Everybody mark your calendars, October 22nd to 25th. Don't miss it. It's going to be incredible. I love uh, that. I love yeah. that. I was at National Harbor for Sherm uh, Leadership last, it was 2022 is when we were there. And it was the first time I'd been to National Harbor. <laughs> and it was like, that was an incredible area, right? On the Pontotoc yeah. uh, across from uh, Mount Vernon. I mean, it was that's an incredible place. So if you have an opportunity, definitely. I think we stayed at the, um, I think it was the Gaylord uh, is where we I stayed. I think at that's that time. where it is. This yeah, year. that's fantastic. Yeah, I so. Exciting. I know, really incredible. Um, it's also a big year for membership. So we're looking to really focus on growth, mm -hmm. to expand our base, and really think about what is that space that we need to occupy as an organization. Um, and keeping that community strong. I think sometimes we get really narrow in our vision. So we're trying to really see how should we be inclusive and in bringing in the right folks mm. into this ecosystem that we really have. We also are working towards finalizing our new CEO. So nothing to announce yet, mm -hmm. but that's coming soon. And really, you know, we talked earlier about community and connection. So I hope that all of your listeners will be looking to work, to connect with us. We'll have lots of webinars and roundtables and one-take video podcasts, all kinds of things where we hope that you'll come and engage. We're really looking for hearing feedback. We're making lots of changes and growing and for me, that's incredible. It's exactly what I love having worked at tech companies is that innovative spirit. And so we want to hear from you. We're going to be trying things and maybe making some mistakes along the way. Um, so we want to hear from you and we're on social media and we are looking to the community. We're here to serve you. Uh, so we hope that we are and we want to know what we're doing great. Love to hear that and also what we can be doing better. That's fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm going to put links in the show notes for WERC so you could get more information on that as as well as um, um, if you want to learn more about membership or or what's going on there. Hey, I, I do want to ask you this one uh, question before I leave this topic here. And that is, there's some people listening that, I don't know, they're not involved with 
Worldwide ERC as a as a corporate member or work. I I keep saying Worldwide ERC. That's going to be tough, Ashley. Um, <laughs> we I got work W E R C. Um, but for those who I don't know, maybe they haven't heard of W E R C, or maybe they've heard of it but not sure if they need to get involved or why they should get involved. I don't know. Just one one uh, tip. You said that it's it's really helped you. Uh, on your journey, share maybe one or two reasons why it might help someone that is listening today that, I don't know, maybe maybe they only have a few corporate relocations. Maybe they don't have a program that has, you know, three or 400 relocations. Maybe they relocate 20, 20 families a year. Is, is that something they should be involved in and, and share why? I truly believe as a mobility expert, you need your team around you and your team is mm -hmm. broader than your company. And especially if you have a lower volume, I think being able to tap into that broader community and, the, you know, being able to jump into those corporate roundtables and those conversations that are happening and building those relationships and partnerships, coming to conferences and being able to make those connections where you can say, hey, I met Bruce. I know him. I have this weird question and I don't know what to do because we all get these weird mm. questions and don't know what to do. And you need to be able to pick up a phone and phone a friend. Um, so I think it's an incredible place for um, education, information, advocacy, um, and really connection. To me, the biggest thing is that community and connection. Yeah, I love that community connection. I love how you also uh, tapped into advocacy because uh, I know that uh, WERC will be, uh, you know, they're very involved in in what's going on in in policy in our in our government. I know with me being involved in household goods, I know in twenty twenty five the. Uh, the the policy is going to come back up, whether the household goods should be taxed or non-taxed and different things like that. So there's just so much value uh, the organization provides. So I will put the link in the show notes and, and I'm, I'm excited for your journey ahead, leading your team and, and just seeing kind of what, what, uh, what all you do. I do want to, um, I, I know that uh, I want to, I want to ask about a couple more things before we conclude here. Uh, one, you know, I talked about you coming into our conference and speaking and, and some of the things you've touched on today, you talked about, you know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I know that resonated with a lot of people. And, and, and you talked about, um, you also talked about, you know, the importance of building strong community. And I think that WERC is one of the areas you can do that. But the last thing you said, though, that really resonated with me, was you talked about the importance of defining success mm. as, as, you know, as a, as an individual, as your organization, talk a little bit about defining success. Um, how would you, uh, I don't know, maybe give someone, give the listeners maybe a tip on um, defining success. How do you define success uh, with yourself and, and how do you look at that? Well, I think there's a really easy example to share, and this is really where I kind of started to learn how to do this. Um, so when I was turning 30, I had a get your stuff together year and did a lot of things and made myself really uncomfortable. And I talked a lot about this at the conference. And one of the things I really wanted to do was to take the GPHR. Mm. And I was really intimidated because the stats on failure at the time were something about 80%, if I remember correctly, failure rate, first time <laughs> test taker failure rate. And for me as an overachiever and a student, I don't like to fail tests. And it was a real block for me because I didn't want to fail. I didn't mm. feel like I, I don't know, I just had that mental block where I wouldn't even take it because I didn't want to fail. And I said, you know, I get to choose what success and failure means. Mm. I get to define that for myself. So if I go in and say, for me, success is taking the test. And that if I take the test, I have personally been successful. Whether I pass or fail, it doesn't matter. And I will work hard and I will study hard and I will try to pass it. But the outcome is irrelevant because I have defined for, for myself what that what that outcome should be. And that allowed me to remove the fear and remove the barrier and to go in and take the test, which I did actually pass, thank goodness. Um, but it allowed me, but I was willing to take it as many times as it took because 
every time I took it was a success. Mm. And that's my personal mentality, not what the test taker said. And that was very freeing for me. And I think you can apply that in a thousand mm. different ways um, because we're often told what success look like, looks mm. like or should be. Um, and I think sometimes we need to take a step back and say, well, okay, maybe that's success for you, but that doesn't mean success for me. Mm, that is so good. I, I, I appreciate you sharing it. Every time I start a meeting, I always uh, start out with what, what success looks like. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just being at the meeting is a successful day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I know people are or taking notes and, and, and thinking about that. And I think it's important that we define success. Nobody else needs to define that for us. We we can, we can define that. Hey, I do want to ask you one last question before we uh, shift to it's time to accelerate, accelerate. And that is, I always like to ask uh, leaders on the podcast, if you have ever been given any advice, it was just so good. You just find yourself sharing it with others. I had a boss who told me to care less. Oh, and I think as an overachiever and as a perfectionist, sometimes you get caught up too much and you need to take a step back and not put so much of your personal in it and to care a little bit less, which sounds counterintuitive, but it's been very helpful for me because sometimes the things where you're putting so much effort don't matter that much. Oh my gosh. This, I told you the time was going to fly when you yes. first got on here. I'm like, oh my gosh, the time will fly. <laughs> hey, well, let's move to, it's time to accelerate. I want to ask you a few fun questions. One thing you're looking ahead in the new year. Here we are, 2024. Launching my new business. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I love that. And I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to uh, connect with Ashley and learn a little bit more. Hey, what, uh, what are you grateful for? My baby girl. Hmm. Always. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. I always talk about great leaders or grateful leaders. And um, that's definitely family is always first. Hey, so uh, outside of like work, what energizes you? I think it's always learning something new and trying mm. something new. I I get really excited about that. Um, and I'm always trying to, I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. So always mm. learning something new. I love you. I'm with you on the learning something new. I remember the first time I learned to juggle. I was so oh, energized. Wow. I was like, wow, I learned to juggle. This is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. This is my last question and uh, probably one of my favorite questions. Uh, Ashley, 10 years older, is mm -hmm. knocking at your door mm -hmm. and you're going to answer that door. What's she going to say to you? I think she would say to be bold, mm. be brave and have fun with the new adventures that I'll make mistakes and be uncomfortable and that's awesome and will make me grow and then I'm enough. Mistakes <laughs> and uh, being uncomfortable are awesome. Oh my goodness. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your wisdom and your perspective and breaking news about your new company. Um, hey, if someone wants to connect with you, they heard something you shared and they want to learn more. How's the best way for them to connect? LinkedIn, best LinkedIn. way. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll put your LinkedIn in the uh, in the show notes. And oh my goodness, this has been so fun. I appreciate you so much. Happy New Year to you. And uh, again, thank you for coming on the show. I can't wait to see what's ahead. Thank you for having me. My first podcast in the books. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you did great. All right. Thank I can't you. wait to share this. I'll talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Thanks.